Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, hello darkness, my old friend. You are listening to the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Friday, November twelfth. 2021. My name is Jake Luke. I am a writer with BaltimoreBeatdown.com slash podcaster coming to you on these airwaves on this Friday. I would say a glorious Friday. Normally I like to uh, gussy Fridays up a little bit and kind of celebrate them because, uh, you know, we're heading into the weekend, but uh, this is admittedly a little bit of a tough one. Uh, Ravens drop one of the more unexpected, one of the more weird kind of out of left field trap games, whatever you want to call them that I can remember. I think a hundred percent within the, uh, Lamar Jackson era, probably the worst game of the Lamar Jackson era. I don't think that is a uh, hyperbole to uh, go out of my way and say that. Um, but yeah, here we are, we're dealing with it. And I guess I could open up by saying that it's hard to describe exactly how I'm feeling about this game. Uh, and I guess before I should jump into anything, I should say that uh, Spenny is not going to be hopping on with us here tonight. He was uh, in Hard Rock Stadium, <laughs> which, by the way, uh, that that really sucks for him. And it sucks for like the uh, it seems like literally half of this fan base that traveled down to Miami for uh, for the weekend to catch this game. Uh, I had thought about doing it, but I had some other traveling stuff going on around this time. So I decided against it. Pretty uh, glad about that at this moment in time because um, I would hate to be walking out of that stadium right now fighting traffic to get back to whatever Airbnb or whatever after the Ravens drop this game 22-10 to to the Miami Dolphins who played two different quarterbacks throughout the game who uh, had looked hapless up to this point, I think with only two wins on the season uh, and who just completely were a rudderless outfit that the Ravens by all accounts, should have gone in there and handled that I was expecting them to uh, ultimately handle. I was expecting maybe a little bit of a closer game than some, but uh, it did not work out like that, and they walk out of there losing 
22 to 10 after Jacoby Brissett gets a start and Tua Tagovailoa comes in relief, finishes out the game after Brissett takes a sack from Justin Houston, uh, messes up his knee a little bit, but he was ultimately fine. But it didn't matter either way uh, because I don't think the difference in this game ultimately was that side of the ball. I think it was the other side of the ball and the Ravens offense that uh, could not getting get anything going for pretty much the entire night. I mean, it's it's really, really strange. I don't think I've seen anything like that from them, like I said, in the Jackson era. Uh, I think they went something like, you know, one or two for 12 or 13 or something like that on third down. I wish I had <laughs> all this stuff in front of me. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Yeah, so two for fourteen on third down for the Ravens tonight. Uh, but I say that I say that the other side of the ball wasn't as important because you know what the Dolphins were on third down, they were three for thirteen, and you know both teams it looks like passed for twelve first downs. The Ravens rushed for more first downs with seven. Uh, but ultimately, what it came down to was the fact that the Ravens just could not move the ball for pretty much the entirety of this game, and uh, they could not score points and. It started off a little weird. Uh, the Ravens open up the scoring, uh, open up their account with a Justin Tucker field goal. They have a chance to tack another one on with a little bit longer of a field goal. I think their first one was 46 yards. Then they had another chance at a 48-yarder, and Tucker pushed it just to the right. Uh, and so that got it off to a weird start, but like the Dolphins really didn't capitalize on it at all. And ultimately, it was just... It just felt like if the Ravens could score a touchdown at any point in that game, then that was going to be the deciding factor and they just could not get it going. So I'm getting, uh, I'm getting uh, the live show going on YouTube here for anyone listening on, uh, on the pod feed. I'm looking at the YouTube comments. We got Joshua Richter. What's up, Jake? What's up, buddy? Davon checking in. What's up, my man, Adam Jones. What the fuck was that man? Uh, (laughs) You're asking me. I do not know. Unfortunately, Prospects Providence. It sucks because I know ESPN is going to attack us. So I'm going to give you a little advice here. What I like to do after a loss like this, and you probably have already figured this out to uh, some extent to uh, yourself, but uh, you really just, you got to shut it down after a loss like this. No pods, other than this pod, of course, you definitely want to listen to this one, but no podcasts, no ESPN, no Dan Orlovsky and Skip Bayless screaming on my TV about uh, why you know, X thing happening in this game means Y thing is going to happen, uh, down the road. And, um, because like what that, what those shows are is they're reactionary, but they also try to, you know, paint their arguments as profound and something that like means something for the long term. when it doesn't, they're reacting to one game and, uh, it was one sucky shitty game, but it doesn't really, I'm not going to say it doesn't mean anything, but, uh, I think what I'm going to stress here throughout this show tonight as I kind of let it rip solo here, is that uh, it is, in fact, a week-to-week league. And uh, that's a cliche that you're going to hear a lot, and you might be rolling your eyes listening to it. I understand it. I'm, you know, I cringe sometimes myself when I hear it, but ultimately it's true. And I think uh, the proof is in the pudding in the fact that you look at what happened, and this is another thing you're going to hear a lot about with the uh, Bills losing 6-9 to the uh, Jags just this past week. And that's going to be the comparison that's going to be made a lot. And uh, it is going to be cliche, but guess what? Cliches are cliches for a reason, and that's because there is always at least a kernel of truth to that. And I think there's more than a kernel of truth to that. I think there's a full bag of 
popcorn to that in this case, because if nothing else, we have seen that the AFC is a complete and total crapshoot, and the Ravens are not immune to that, despite the fact that they were 6-2 and two heading into this game. They had plenty of flaws. They have arguably more flaws than uh, a lot of these other contenders in the AFC. Maybe not a lot, but I think the Titans maybe have less flaws. I think the Bills have less flaws, but the Bills dropped that game. The Titans have uh, dropped some really, really tough games uh, throughout this year as well, you know, dropping that game to the Jets and everything. So ultimately, I guess that is my roundabout way of saying that I guess one of my theses or thesis, I I don't want to say theses because that seems a little too close to feces. So I'm going to say my thesis for tonight is week to week league. Let's not go too crazy. If you want to be pissed off and like throw blame around, I I totally get it. Uh, But I think for one thing that Spencer and I kind of were both alluding to on Twitter is that uh, this is a total team loss. I don't think this is the thing where it's like, oh, you have to place blame on Lamar Jackson. You have to say place blame on Greg Roman, fire Greg Roman, John Harbaugh, place blame on him. It's like, no, this is a total, com- like complete and total just, just a, a, the mainframe just shut down. Like there was nothing on it. Like this was like 3 a.m. at the bar, like lights are out, no one's home, or <laughs> the lights are on and nobody's home type performance. Like they, they just did not show up. They did not get off the bus. They were playing grab ass, doing whatever they were doing. And uh, it's just one of those types of games. But ultimately, I think that I'm not going to say it works in their favor, but those games I feel are easier to move on from at times. So that'll be my point on that as we move down to Adam Jones. Random question. Been wanting to ask you and Spencer what team you guys are on for succession. I could see you as a shiv or you both for Greg, weirdly. The correct answer is Kendall OFC. Uh, I myself am a Kendall guy. I think Kendall is uh, kind of a shithead and has some has some Logan tendencies to him in all the worst ways. He is, uh, he's got some evil in him. But I think if he had gotten a chance to be a normal person, he could have been a good guy. And there are no good characters on the show. So with Kendall being the main character, essentially, I I de facto kind of root for him. And I also think Jeremy Strong is just what a great actor that guy is. So Kendall. Davon, this game was ugly to say the least, LOL. Yeah, dude, ugly, like ugly does not even begin to cover it. The way this offense performed, this was worse than I think some of the worst Flacco games that I've seen. Like, this was so, so, so bad. This offensive line could not block. Lamar was not seeing the field. And this is the thing that is going to be hammered into the ground, is that they were not adjusting against against the blitz. It felt like the Dolphins were bringing extra guys literally every single play. And they were just doing it brazenly. And they knew that the Ravens knew that they were coming. The Ravens knew it was coming. All that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And there was just... No adjustments against it because ultimately it was a Jimmy's and Joe's thing where the Ravens just did not have the horses in the back to stop their blitz. And they did not have the play calls in the bag to do anything against it. And early on in the game, the kind of the narrative was like, what are they doing calling all these screen passes? And that that was interesting to me because it seemed like one of the complaints about this year was that Roman wasn't calling enough screens at all. And then they go into this game and they're spamming it. And kind of my theory was that I, I think they trust their talent versus Miami's talent offensively versus defensively. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to get the ball into the athletes hands and allow them, allow them to execute as well as the fact that Lamar was clearly making a lot of checks at the line of scrimmage, audibling into a lot of different things. So maybe he's calling some of these screens up as well, but just all around, just complete and total failure. It just didn't work out. Just awful. Cody McGowan, ugly-ass game. Ravens need McCarry back ASAP. 100%, man. 100% they need McCarry back. I don't know what the timeline on that is going to be, but unfortunately, I don't even think McCarry is going to be 100% when he does come back. These high ankle sprains, that is one of the worst injuries you can have in the sport, unfortunately. 
And for a lineman where you're you're counting on that anchor and an exterior lineman, you know, right tackle, that's tough, man. That is, that is a tough ask to come back at right tackle and be your not necessarily, not even Pro Bowl self. I mean, this is Patrick fucking McCary we're talking about. And I love the guy, friend of the podcast, but like it, it is unfair to have that expectation on him. But that's the way it works. It's it's that next man up mentality. But uh, things catch up to you at times when you're dealing with the injuries they've dealt with. And there have been games where you would expect it to catch up to them, i.e. Minnesota, where it pretty much should have, i.e. the Colts, where it pretty much should have, i.e. the Chiefs, where it basically did, but they get the win there. Uh, Sometimes it swings against you, as we saw with the Bengals game. It swung against them. They They did not have the horses in the back to come back in that game, i.e. this game. It just sometimes, when you're not talented enough, it's just going to completely show up in all the in all the worst ways, especially when the coaching staff does not have the type of game that you need them to have. Like I, I think that, and the coaches are going to get a lot of shit after this game, and understandably so because they perform poorly. But I think in the games where they did overcome some of that stuff, the coaches are due some credit. So I think this is just a, a complete and total failure up and down on the roster and on the coaching staff in this game. J. E. Wong, forty-seven. Seen a lot of, quote, wake-up call takes, and I just kind of have to ask how many wake-up call games we've had up to now. Seems like it's a wake-up call game every week, LOL. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right uh, in the fact that that's a phrase that's being overused a little bit, um, but I think what the phrase ultimately indicates is that there's some sort of idea that the Ravens are going to play a close game and they're going to win it or they're going to lose it, and it's like, oh, we're going to learn from this and we're going to move on. Well, that's true, but it's a week-to-week league, just completely week-to-week, and every game is different, and like, when you're in a game like this, and you're facing a situation similar to last week, you're not always, if you think about the human element of it, you're not going to be thinking literally exactly about that that similar situation that you faced last week. It's just a totally different thing, and maybe you're going to execute, and maybe you're not, and uh, I do think there is something to be said for experience, but it just unfortunately doesn't always work like that. So as for there being like a wake-up call, like I think their wake-up call has already happened and their wake-up call is, well, you're just, you're not talented enough to blow teams out. You've got to rely on two things. Your good coaching staff, which I believe this is a good coaching staff, and your quarterback, who is one of the best players in football, showing up. And there have been weeks where one of those two elements have shown up, uh, i.e. the Colts game or the Chiefs game maybe. There have been games where both of those things have shown up, i.e. the Chargers game, and that's a complete and total blowout. And then there are games, uh, like we saw, I think, with the Bengals a little bit, and like with this, where neither shows up. And I think the wake-up call is that you're pretty much realizing now that you're not talented enough to be a Super Bowl team. And maybe you could be a Super Bowl team, maybe you can get in and get hot and do whatever you need to do, but the wake-up call is that you can beat anyone and you can lose to anyone in the AFC at the very least. And I think we kind of already knew that, but as much as this is going to be sort of driven into the ground, this loss, Buffalo is getting it just the same as we did. And Buffalo is, in my opinion, probably the class of the AFC right now. So it's just kind of the way it is. Davon, uh, I tuned it out and head to the film. Yeah, that's probably, probably the smart thing to do, my man. Uh, J.E. Wong, I don't know if people are still expecting the 2019 Ravens. Yeah, guys, like the 2019 Ravens, like if you're still bringing that up, like we got to move on. Like they're not coming back. That that was not even a real team. Uh, Cody McGowan, 
I don't watch these clowns when we win. No way I'm watching after that shit show. I think I believe he means ESPN and all those all those programs. And uh, yeah, you're smart for that. You're better for that, and it's gonna make your life better for that. As my alarm goes off, I was literally contemplating taking a nap there, but I didn't. Here I am. Joshua Richter, honestly, anything could go wrong, did go wrong. Might as well just not watch the film and head to next week. Yeah, I mean, and that, that is sort of what it is. It's just a Murphy's Law game, unfortunately. They do happen. They don't happen very often. They happen in the Flacco era <laughs> against the Jaguars, as we all probably well know. At least a lot of people listening to this probably well know. There was that game. There were a couple games in the Flacco era. Haven't been many in this era so far. But uh, it was just kind of ripe to happen at some point with the way that this roster is constructed, with the volatility that it is constructed for, the difficulties along the offensive line, all the injuries they've had. It was just kind of a perfect storm that after an emotional, like supercharged win in overtime, literally as long of an overtime period as you probably could have had without going to a tie, and then a short week into Thursday night football. And that's not even necessarily to make an excuse. It's just to explain it away a little bit that this was probably ripe to happen at some point. And there it goes, which I guess leads us into Shane Jackson's comment, who says this kind of stuff have happens on TNF, but this loss is so brutal because of Baltimore's schedule to end the year. And I think, yeah, that's the important sort of capper on that is that as much as this stuff does happen, you really hoped that it wouldn't because you've got five divisional games left in a division that is a shit kicker. Like you've got three teams that have winning records outside of you right now. They're all beating each other up. They're going to want to, they're going to want a piece of you. They're going to want their pound of flesh and you got six wins right now. So you got to go and play five more of those games. And then you got a couple other tough games. You got green Bay coming to town. You got the Rams coming to town. You got to go to Chicago and play a bears team that, you know, damn near almost pulled it out against the Steelers next week. So you can't really afford to drop games like this and hope to walk away with a one seed for all the people that were talking about that. And I might've even entertained the idea uh, at one point because the Ravens were just a game out of it with the Titans at uh, seven and two, I believe, but Ravens drop into uh, six and three now. So man, that, that's probably, probably going to be tough. It's going to be tough to uh, make that happen. JDW Sports Talk Show. One thing I said in my week nine recap is these games where they have to come back in can start to catch up with them, but I love this Ravens team. Yeah, I mean, it, it does like, it's just just natural math. Like, you know, that if you're going to be in rock fights like this every single week, you know, eventually there's going to be a week where you, you don't land a hit with a rock and you take one right in the eye and you get a black eye. And like, that's going to happen, unfortunately. J.E. Wong with some more explanation. Short week after a long overtime game, going down to the Miami Heat and humidity against a team the Ravens were pretty favored against. Oh, just taking a sip of beer there. Um, yeah, I mean, that sums it up. And yeah, that's that's another thing to consider is the, uh, the conditions a little bit, the conditions. Hot and humid, weird field conditions as people were kind of actually even talking about pregame. That's just another factor to consider. It's not like, again, you know, there's no excuse. Like, you can't (laughs) excuse this thing away. But that's probably just one sort of ingredient in the cauldron of bullshit that we witnessed tonight. So J.E. Wong follows that up. He's personally not surprised they had such a no-show. 
I'm a little surprised. I, you know, I'll admit it, but it, it, it's tough. Adam Vanderlyn, this game is all in the coaches, in my opinion. Play calling was atrocious. Uh, well, you're wrong on that, Adam. Like, it's not all on the coaches. It's not all on the coaches. It is to an extent on the coaches. There was bad play calling on both sides of the ball. Offense, we saw it against the Blitz. They could not adjust to it. I don't know what the deal was. And I said on Twitter, I am not criticized play calls guy because I have no fucking, I don't have the first idea how to call a play in football, let alone the NFL. Football at any level, I have no idea. But it was bad. The play calling was really bad. The coaching was bad. But the execution was shitty too, man. Like, it's not all on the coaches. And I know that, like, after games like this, you're emotionally, you know, you're looking for some sort of scapegoat. Sometimes the scapegoat is the entire team just went out there and was not ready for a game, and they all played shitty. And they all coached shitty, and that's just how it is. Joshua Richter says, hard to call a game when players couldn't execute anything today. And that's the other side of the argument. There was no consistent execution except for like weirdly like Rashad Bateman had a really good game I made that uh comment uh as I was kind of getting ready to fire this thing up here um Rashad Bateman looked really good and maybe that does call into question coaching a little bit Sammy Watkins is coming off of an injury and you're targeting him he fumbles and that's one of your turnovers of the night and that leads to a touchdown for the Dolphins really the deciding score in the game ultimately um we need to see more of Rashad Bateman. That that is a failure of coaching, I think, in this in this game tonight. But I think they're smart enough to learn their lesson and uh, get him more involved next week. And Lamar's got to get him the ball even more. It looks like he's already targeting him a ton, which is great to see because he's a rookie. He was injured. They didn't get a ton of time, really much of any time together in training camp, and they already look like they've been playing together for a couple of years. So that's the, literally the one positive I can think of tonight. But. It's not on it's not on any one person. It's not on any one side of the ball. It is not on any one facet of the organization. It is on all of them collectively. They just took a big dump in their pants, and it's unfortunate. Prospects Providence. They should make Boyle a right tackle, honestly. I like you joke around, but I think the Falcons were like playing a tight end at right tackle at one point, like during the peak, like desperate Matt Ryan era, uh, when they just had nothing going on offensively. <laughs> And they had so many injuries. I think Jake Matthews was hurt. So like, fuck it. We're just going to plug this tight end at, at uh, right tackle. Maybe like, and obviously that's kind of, that's being a little facetious, but like they probably could have done a better job bringing like Tomlinson in line and kind of had him chip a little bit on some of those extra rushers. Um, Cause Boyle was inactive tonight, which was unfortunate. I don't think we were expecting that. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, Got to get you. You got you. Got to start getting Boyle active, and you got to bring his physicality into both the run game and the pass pro game. It, it just it has to happen within his health timeline. Of course, I am not advocating for him to play hurt. It's a good point, uh, Garnett. Hey Jake, this game told a lot about us. Hey buddy, um, told a lot about us. Maybe, but like, hey, I don't really, I'm not really sure like what the big takeaway would be other than the Ravens are not better than the rest of the AFC, which I think we kind of already knew. They're not like the class of the AFC, I should say. I think we already knew that. So it's tough. 
Brandon Riggs, does Watkins lead the league in drops? Probably not because he's like hasn't played that much and he played pretty well to begin the year. Uh, he's been very inconsistent and priced it again tonight. I don't think he's been inconsistent at all. I think he's been very good when he's been on the field. Uh, yeah, then Garnett kind of says that. Uh, yeah, and then they're just kind of arguing about that. JDW, uh, I am so disappointed in this Ravens team. I love Lamar Jackson, but what the heck? Um, yeah, 100%. Garnett, uh, Greg Roman needs to come out the booth and be on the sidelines too many times where we can't get the play in and there's no urgency. I think that's an interesting discussion point. Um, some, some guys definitely prefer the booth versus the sideline. Uh, I know, I think, I don't know if it's the, Belichick football life, or it might be the Saban football life, where Saban talks about when he was in Cleveland, he was in the booth, and then Belichick told him, no, you got to come down to the sideline because I need to be able to communicate with you, um, like, directly. I, I don't want to have you, like, in my ear on the headset or whatever. And that was, like, obviously back in the early 90s, so, like, headset technology was a lot different, but I think Saban said that it was a, a good thing for him to be down on the sideline, so... That might be a better thing. I remember that being a storyline when Caldwell, who was a, a booth guy, had left, and then Kubiak came in, and he was a sideline guy. I remember that being looked at as like a positive thing. I don't know one way or the other, but it might help. Might help. But the offenses look good at times this year. Like, I, you know, we don't need to. I don't think we need to make like wholesale changes based on this game. Maybe if there's another game like this, but. J.E. Wong, on a positive note, though, can we talk about Bateman? Man keeps producing, and it's a shame this came at a loss because his game is going to go into the radar. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of already touched on it. Guy's a beast, absolutely worth the first-round pick. We were all right about him, and it wasn't hard to be right about him. My mom could have scattered Rashad Bateman. The guy is sick. Uh, D3, how much did Martin and Williams have to do with this game plan? I don't think they really game plan. I think they just kind of coach. I think... I think Keith probably helps with the game plan maybe a little bit because he's like the pass game specialist overall, but like, I, I don't know. It's probably probably Roman and Harbaugh, I would think. Exactly, G, snapping with a second every time of the play. That was a problem, I think, 100%. And I don't know, that's probably a combination of play calling and Lamar, but like, it felt like every time they were getting to the line, five seconds just ticking down and ticking down. I think they had at least one delay of game, and it was just like, dude, this is not going to cut it. Like, it, it, that was flashbacks to 2020. Like, their absolute worst 2020. I'm going to get a, another beer sip in here. Garnett. I'm waiting for a Cam Cameron situation to happen with Roman, in all honesty. I just don't know why. Like, he hasn't been nearly as bad as Cam Cameron. Like, he puts points on the board. That was kind of an issue with Cam Cameron. And this is a game that he did not put points on the board. So I get being emotional and pissed off about that, but I just don't understand, like, what the plan is after that. Jim Caldwell had been a very successful offensive mind that was on the roster and ready to go. Who do you have right now behind Greg Roman? James Urban? Sure. he's He's been there, but, like, what has he really done that would make you think he could pull a Caldwell and take this team to new heights. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm not ready to give up on Greg Roman after one clunker. Elliot, 
Alderson, bruh, that last blown coverage is inexcusable. 100%. Yeah, that, that was tough. The Albert Wilson kind of going in motion looked like he got mixed up a little bit where either Brandon Stevens or Queen should have been on him. He probably didn't want either of them on him, honestly, but that's just kind of where you're at, unfortunately. Um, you had two really bad blown coverages that cost you. I think he had one before the half, and then you had that one that essentially iced the game. Got to clean that shit up. Patrick Queen had himself a really nice fucking game. Yeah, he played pretty well. Overall, he played pretty well. He's starting to settle in, I think. We don't have to go too crazy, just like we didn't have to go too crazy when he was playing poorly. Let's just let him keep rolling here. Davon, who knows D3 at the end? G in the end, G row is a quote. Yeah, okay. Uh, those default run plays on first down that goes nowhere is a killer to me as well. We're no longer maulers like that. Yeah, that's true. And that's a problem that goes back to 2020 with the Mark Ingram on first down. Uh, every single uh, series. I don't know what that was all about, but what are you going to do? JDW, I am not a Ravens fan. I am a Colts fan, but I love to learn and respect all teams. I really liked this Ravens team, especially after they came back on my Colts. Lamar has come so far in throwing. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a Ravens fan, then you probably shouldn't be in here because this is kind of just like we're we're really just taking – Taking the frustration out, but it is what it is. D3, O-line is trash, can juice, and the defense is porous. Lock if we get out of the first round of the playoffs again. Um, yeah, the O-line is not good. D is porous at times, but they've also been able to show that they can clutch up in certain moments. So, uh, I feel like since Marshall Yonda retired, this O-line hasn't been the same. Yeah, and yeah, like it, it just that's sort of a unfortunately, it's you know, that's just kind of where they're at. That's been where they're at for a couple of years now. Adam Vanderlyn, the continuation of the defense to give up massive plays with poor communication finally caught up to us. Lamar couldn't bail them out tonight. You say finally, but like it's happened at times throughout the year. It happened against the Vikings at times last week, it's happened, it happened against the Chiefs at times. Happening against the Colts at times, like this isn't like we can't just talk as if this defense is just like lights out for certain games and then other games are not. Like this is a schizophrenic defense, literally in games. Like it, it just continues to happen. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Hydro demands can't keep losing the turnover battle. Hundred percent turnovers are what kill you, and they killed them tonight. Losing that two to nothing, that's tough. Another thing was urgency, and Brandon Riggs says five minutes left, and they were casually huddling. I don't know what the fuck that was. Like, why were they? And, like, they should have been going fast. Like, here's one thing that does annoy me. They start these games out. They don't play well. And then they start to play well in the second half. And it's always, it is always like, oh, well, we started to adjust to the defense, and then we started to go to tempo. Tempo started to work for us. Going quickly worked for us because we stopped thinking and we just took what the defense gave us. That really worked for us. Well, if that's worked for you in these four games or whatever that you've come back in, why not just come out and do that? I don't know. That's weird to me. That's weird to me. Gary Thomas, I hated how many screens and short bubble screen type plays we saw in long down and distance situations. Hated the play call, but the line couldn't block for anything deeper. Rough game. Yeah, I think the line blocking is probably the reason why we saw a lot of that stuff and the blitzes as well. Because 
that is sort of a logical thing to beat the blitz is try to run those screens and quick passes. But like, it just felt like every time you had a money down, nothing even close to the sticks. And even those little short passes that you were throwing, you had guys that were just getting crowded around by defenders. So really tough, just really tough. Brandon Riggs says queen not falling on that ball. I challenge anyone that wants to get after queen on that to go back and watch that. He literally had his legs like shoulder width apart and his arm was like kind of in the middle. It, it just, it was a weird, tough angle for him to fall on that ball. I know it's easy to look at that and say like, oh, just, you know, just do it, figure it out. But Eichenberg was literally diving in on, or not Eichenberg. Um, or yeah, I think it was Eichenberg who was diving in to uh, kind of scoop that ball up. It just like, that's just a thing where Queen is just a polarizing player that people love to get behind. So they're going to get on him for not falling on the ball there. But I just, I don't think he had the angle. I don't think he had the angle at all. Josh Oliver is not playing like he did in preseason. Well, he's not really getting opportunities like he did in preseason. Um, whenever he's thrown the ball, um, like, you know, he doesn't, he, he's just not being put in position to do much of anything. He's just not a factor, and like it's not for better or for a lot worse either. He's just kind of whatever. To take a positive out of this game from Joshua Richter, Ravens had four sacks. Yep. OA came through. Houston came through. He got that 100th one. Uh, he probably would have wished it would have come in a better game, but uh, yeah, tough. Uh, Deuce, 1042. Rashad is too good not to be featured more. Sammy had a really rough game. Yeah, Sammy's, you know. It's tough for Sammy. He's getting acclimated back after an injury, but it's it's time to start getting Rashad going. The only time their offenses look good is games they've fallen behind in double digits. That's not true. They they look good against the Chargers. Uh, look, the fact that the run game is barely usable right now, considering the running backs in OL, is a credit to Roman. Really, really got to stop calling for his job. Part one, part two. Even though the last time it happened, we won a Super Bowl. Lightning rarely ever strikes twice. Stop hoping for it. Yeah, I think that is a little bit of a psychological, like, Freudian thing we can unpack with Ravens fans where they think that, like, firing an offensive coordinator on a competitive team is, like, somehow going to launch them off on this magical run. It's probably just never going to happen again. And, like, that's okay. Like, it's fine. Um, If you want Roman fired, like, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to, like, completely push back against that, but I think he's... He's done more than enough to this season to buy himself at least job security through the end of the year. And if more games like this happen, then we can reevaluate. But let's not be too reactionary. I'm just not a, I'm not a fire people guy. Like, that's not how I operate. Jimmy Dean. I heard positional coaches, not specifically the Ravens, put together the red zone and third down packages. Uh, perhaps I'm not sure. Uh, Garnett T Martin is fully capable of being a coordinator. Greg's success is Lamar's success. That's my opinion. Why do you say that about T Martin? Has he like, what has he done? I'm going to Google. This is great radio solo show. I'm going to Google T Martin and what he's been doing recently. I mean, offensive coordinator of USC with Darnold. So that's, that's pretty solid. That was 2016 to 2018. Then he was assistant head coach and wide receivers coach at Tennessee. I like T, you know, maybe. I don't hate the idea, but I just, I don't think, I don't think he gives you much better than Roman can give you right now. 
Jordan Katz. Baltimore B-Town, Jake's version. That is correct. I hope I'm tolerable enough in this solo hour for you guys after what has been a long day and then a long night. Averett had another good game. He did. Uh, he probably could have held an interception in there um, along the sideline, uh, which is unfortunate that he was not able to grab that because that could have maybe turned things a little bit, but with that offense, who knows? Jimmy Dean. Harbaugh says loss is because the team wasn't prepared for the blitz. Lamar says they practice, practiced against the blitz all week. Okay, so that's a little bit of an inconsistency there, but Lamar does. Lamar says all week, but you're talking about like, Three days of practice. It was just not these Thursday night games, man. I like them for the most part, but when they, when they burn my team like this, and this is just like a petty fan thing of me to do, but like these Thursday night games, like what are we doing? It's like three days of preparation. It's tough. Michael Scotts. I think we really missed Elliott tonight. I like Chuck, but that's a tough task for him to be the guy with the rookie back with him. We really need we really need to address safety next year. Maybe, maybe. <coughs> Elliot Alderson. I was worried for Westry's life when going in for that tackle on Hunt. <laughs> yeah, that was that was wild. That Robert Hunt play where Tua was trying to throw a screen to Gaskin in the red zone. Robert Hunt, for whatever reason, the guard for Miami, just grabs hold of it and runs for the end zone, actually scores a touchdown, lands on his head in the process. Uh, it's tough. Tough for Robert Hunt. Should have, really should have just given it to him, honestly. Big man touchdowns are always fun. Shrimp Trawler, the blown coverages make having a good run defense pointless. Just wait for the big play, 50, 60 yards. Sad, really. Wasting Campbell and Matabike. Um, Yeah, like, it, it's just, I, I kind of have a theory that, like, dominant defenses just can't exist anymore. Like, I think that 2015 Broncos one was literally the last one we'll ever see. The rules are too different. The coaching is too different. The players on offense are too talented. Kids just from the early 2000s, basically, maybe a little later than that, but like everything from that on, kids have grown up wanting to play offense, wanting to be Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, wanting to be Aaron Rodgers, wanting to be Randy Moss. It's just a totally different generation of people, and the league is different for it. I can't even tell if you know that's Taylor Swift. Okay, I, I get it now. The... Taylor's red Taylor's version or whatever. I, I catch wind of that. I'm not a Taylor Swift guy. I keep up with it because I'm on Twitter. And if you're on Twitter, then you're inadvertently going to be uh, exposed to a lot of Taylor Swift stuff. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I don't really seek her music out. So uh, depressed footballer. Averett had one bad play today. Joshua Richter, Trey Boston signing an over under three and a half days. Honestly, like, yeah, they could use some safety help. So, Let's just go ahead and do that if you can find it. If you can find it in the coffers there, Eric, let's do that. Uh, Jimmy Dean, what's funny to me is when the offense playing well, it's in spite of Giro, and when they don't play well, it's all Giro's fault, according to the fans. Yeah, I would say, like, I, I don't know if I would say that fans try to say that it's, like, in spite of him necessarily. Some of them do. But uh, there definitely is a lot more of just throw blame to him immediately when things are going wrong. And when they go right, it's all on the players. But that's for any any fan base, I think. I think because like coaches are just kind of 
faceless entities that you don't really have an emotional investment in the same way that you do with the players. So you're just very quick to kind of throw shade at them. And like, it's also a thing where we as fans, and I a hundred percent include myself in this, uh, don't really have an understanding of what's going on with coaching. Whereas if a player screws up, that's much more easy to digest and understand, but that's also less frequent or at least perceptibly to a fan, less frequent as a coaching screw up. Uh, Barney Miller, the refs gave the Ravens life with two roughing the passer calls. They were bad calls. Oh yeah, that that dri- that touchdown drive, which was a 99 yard drive, uh, to give the Ravens a little bit of life there in the fourth quarter. Um, pretty much propped up by the refs there. I think the first roughing the passer call was good. The second one was pretty bad. I had some fun, had some fun with it, saying that uh, there's no place for that in our league, and certainly not. Great call by the refs. Great call, Ronald Torbert. Michael Scott. I think a lot of fans are still stuck in 2019, which we all need to men in black, forget and move on. Yeah, I can agree with that uh, to an extent. Um, It's just sort of evidenced in the fact that we forget that games like this happen. And maybe you're like a younger fan and like you didn't experience like some of the, even like in the competitive years with Flacco, like some of the losses, like I'm going to, you're going to hear a lot about this Jaguars loss with Flacco in 2011, for example. Like, it, it, it happens, you know, it sucks, be angry, be pissed off, blame who you want to blame, Just but just understand, just understand, nothing radical is going to change on this coaching staff for the time being, nothing radical is going to change with these players for the time being. It is a week-to-week league, they're going to win again very soon, and, uh, your mindset is going to change. You're going to be looking at the schedule and you'll be saying, oh, we got to win there, you know, seven and three or whatever it might be, eight and four. If they could just do this, 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 and this, then, you know, maybe Super Bowl. It's, it sucks right now. I get it, but it's going to turn around. Jordan bringing up the 2007 Dolphins game. I don't think, uh, contextually, I don't think that really <laughs> carries as much water. Not as important of a game, honestly. But uh, ultimately, we're getting some more comments rolling in, but I'm going to wrap it up there. It's 1.16 a.m. I've been going 40 minutes or so, drinking a beer, uh, drowning my sorrows here. With all you fine people who have been uh, tremendous to uh, tolerate me for these past 40 minutes as we make sense of uh, one of the weirder, uh, less fun games in Ravens history. Uh, But it is what it is. Like I said, week-to-week league. We're going to get through it, and uh, I'm sure Spencer and I We'll have more on this game and uh, plenty more when we come back. I don't know when we're next going to record. It's almost like they have another bye week here since they just played this Thursday night game. Uh, we'll probably try to get some out for you like early next week at some point, but uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. This was a this is a weird one, and uh, it's going to take some time to uh, sift through and do what we got to do with it. But um, either way, uh, I wish I could say it was a fun game. It was not, but uh, always fun hopping in here and uh, dicing it up with you good people. So until then, uh, you can go ahead and follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four. And uh, in the meantime, I'm going to give you a little advice. Shut it down. No football pods. 
No NFL Network, none of that. Just have yourself a nice fall weekend. Go apple picking. Play some golf. Drink some cider. Get a fire going. Watch a movie. Read a book. Just cleanse your mind. And come back refreshed and ready to go to Chicago and watch the Ravens hopefully beat the Bears. Until then, I will talk to you. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.